Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ottoman History Podcast. I'm Susie Ferguson. And I'm Matt Gazarian. We're here today in Istanbul at Salt Galata. We're extremely happy to welcome to the podcast guest host Nilay Ozlu. So Nilay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure. The topic of our conversation today is the history of MX Cinema, a historic cinema built in Istanbul in 1884 that was demolished as recently as 2013. Uh, we're also thrilled to be joined today by a group of architects and researchers who recently authored a special section on MX Cinema in Mimarist magazine. The section is about the history of MX, of the, the sort of resistance to its destruction, and recent issues in urban development in Beyoğlu, which is a historic neighborhood on Istanbul's European side. So we'll ask all of you to just introduce yourselves, say your name, your title, and thank you so much again for being with us today. Nina Yozlu. PhD candidate from Boğaziçi University. Uh, Seda Kulasay, architectural historian, assistant professor at Gebze Technical University. Selcan Coşkun, I'm an architect and I teach at Mimar Sinai University. Laurence Tanatarbalık, I am uh, associate director for programs and research at South. Thank you all for coming on the podcast today. So, our conversation is going to focus on the debates sparked by Beolu's ongoing redevelopment and, in particular, the destruction of MX Cinema on Yeşilçam Street. Urban transformation has been a contentious issue in Turkish politics, um, especially since the Gezi Park protests of 2013. But both before and, as we see after that, urban development is an ongoing issue. So this episode will be featured on our website, along with other research that we have featured on the Ottoman History Podcast about the urban history of Istanbul and the politics of its recent transformations. So let's start by introducing the neighborhood for some of our listeners who may not be that familiar. Why are Beolu and Istiklal so important for the history of Istanbul? And Laurence, let's start with you. Thank you. Istanbul in the 19th century was a big city of about 1 million habitants so it was uh, it was a city which was uh, expanding with the world economy and uh, more and more people are living were living there so the center of Istanbul in a way uh, Eminönü today Istanbul at that time uh, Galata needs to be ex- needs to expand uh, in a way, uh, Pera, uh, on the hills of Pera and on the, on the way to Galatasaray, Taksim and Levant barracks, uh, new settlements were uh, established. And of course, Beyoğlu was uh, the new prestigious venue for the white-collars uh, workers uh, which were working in Galata and Eminönü. Which is where all the banks were, correct? Uh, the banks or other institutions of uh, other companies, insurance companies or water companies, tramway companies, whatever you want. It was basically the infrastructures but also service companies. So those pupils were living on the hills of Galata and towards Pera, and uh, Pera was more important, more uh, high-level uh, status. And uh, particularly after the 1870 Pera fire, uh, there was also a space to build there. So from Galatasaray to Taksim, uh, all this area on the left of Istiklal, I can say one 
looking from the tunnel, uh, was uh, rebuilt. And this was also an important investment uh, for people who want to gain money uh, from the, the building stock. So the fire, in a way, sort of created investment opportunities for a rising Beolu yes. para elite. Elite, that's, that's right, that's right. They want, to, at that time, they want to change the axis of Istiklal towards Tarlabashi or widen some uh, streets. And this was not uh, possible. Uh, it was mainly constructed on the plots that were already there. So these are some issues that we're going to be exploring, uh, you know, in the remainder of the podcast, the sort of history of this neighborhood, of the particular streets that have been mentioned. I'm going to turn it over to our guest host, Nilay Özlü now uh, as she's an expert on this issue and has um, you know, been part of putting together the research on MX Cinema and the urban history of Beolu. So, uh, Nilay. Thank you, Susie. And thank you, Laurence, for uh, the introduction about the history of the area. But I think it's also very important today. Uh, Istiklal Street, Taksim, Pera, and Karaköy and Bankalar Caddesi is still very important for the city and for its cultural heritage and for the urban life of the city. So we're going to discuss the historical and contemporary aspects of this very important urban axis. Well, okay. Seda uh, Kulasai. I just want to add a few words about why Beolo or, or Pera is very important to us. If you take the beginning of it to this big fire that Laurence has just talked about, from then on, uh, we have an uh, uninterrupted use of cultural heritage, which adds on to top of each other, which has been in use ever since. So I think this is very, very valuable because it's not a museum. It's a cultural heritage in interaction with uh, uh, urban life, with everyday life, ev with everyday people. Uh, now, uh, for this special plot, uh, the Circle Dorian Black uh, and the MX Cinema, which was actually uh, named Circle Dorian Black, in Turkish until recently. This plot uh, was empty after this fire and it belonged to an, uh, a certain Abraham Pasha, I think whose details uh, Laurence could give better than me. Uh, then there was this great need of this cosmopolitan society of uh, Pera and also Istanbul, a very elite society uh, made up of bankers, diplomats, most of them Levantine or uh, foreign uh, nationals, but also Ottoman uh, well, citizens, I can say, I think, were part of it. They needed a place to gather and discuss their uh, well, political thoughts, share their ideas, a secure and comfortable place they needed. And for this purpose, they founded clubs, but they needed a place. Uh, so that was how Circle Dorian Club was created. At that point, Abraham Pasha was about to build a a residential building for himself at this plot. So Seda, I would like to interrupt you here and uh, direct the question to Laurence Hanım, uh, who had an amazing research about Abraham Pasha and his financing of the building. Thank you, Nilay. Abraham Pasha was one of the figures, as uh, Seda uh, said, of the elite of Istanbul. His uh, father and his grandfather was the bankers of the 
Kavalalı Mehmet Ali Paşa and himself he was the representative of the Hedev Egyptian Hedev Ibrahim Paşa so he was living uh, in Istanbul and he has uh, several investments he has the forests uh, in the both side on the Bosphorus and uh, mansion again in Syria and also he invested in Pera as uh, many of the elites uh, of the time and uh, he bought the plots from Östash Eugenides and he he commands the building to Alexandre Valori so uh, he, he needs money to finance it so he took some credits from the Imperial Ottoman Bank at that time but he has dif- difficulties in returning back this money so at the end he has 88,000 uh, golden liras uh, he borrowed from the bank but he couldn't pay back so the bank took over the building in 1896 and the, the bank owned this building until uh, 1919. So basically, uh, this is kind of a classic story of late 19th century Istanbul history, where uh, one invests in this kind of booming new neighborhood of, you know, the sort of elite neighborhood of Para, and then can't pay back the loan. So, you know, I I think this is a really good example of how we see uh, this particular story about a particular building in kind of a larger context. Uh, absolutely, Susie, and I think this microhistory gives us information about uh, the grift and interesting interaction and relation between Ottoman elites and the uh, non-Muslim and Levantine uh, residents of Pera. So all these, you know, networks of urban elites uh, is revealing in this case. So I'd like to ask Seda uh, how the uh, Serkil Dorian Club was founded and how the area was actually converted into a recreational cultural center. And maybe she can give us some information about the foundation of the first movie theaters in the area. Well, okay, this will be a long answer a bit. Uh, so the foundation of the club was with the building uh, being constructed by Abraham Pasha. So uh, he was also a member of the club, which was already founded with no place at the time. And he rent first one floor, then two floors of this building to the club. And actually, it, the building was also designed to be partly club and partly residential. Can I just ask you, when you say club, uh, so it's a social club uh, for elite yes. residents to discuss politics and this kind of yes. thing? Yes, okay. that was the basic need for founding it. I think this building was a new prototype for the uh, Paracuartas, uh, very similar to the Paris apartments. Uh, maybe a small model of it because it was not so high, but uh, with the Red Chaussée uh, mag- magazines, uh, which housed then uh, very uh, high class uh, boutiques and shops. So, like the French magazine, like the yes, like just like kind that, of yes. And the mezzanine floors and then the main floors. So, the model was, it was modeled, I think, after the Paris apartments. So that was something new. And it also housed uh, some small apartments that accommodated uh, visitors. So yes, it was a club and a meeting place for the elite mostly, I could say. Uh, Now about the uh, rest of the plot, because uh, this uh, building, it is very, very uh, fashionable, monumental at the time for Para building, occupied only front of the plot, which was very big actually. And the back of the plot, as Laurence had just uh, mentioned, 
was uh, actually um, taught to be used for uh, some recreational purposes. Um, now we know that it would be a sort of a performance hall. Seda, can I interrupt you here for a moment and ask uh, Laurence about how this um, little street was being opened and this uh, urban intervention in the Istiklal street. It is, it's quite interesting and uh, it also shows us how different players take role in this project. Thank you. <coughs> As I told you, after the fire, they wanted to enlarge, to open uh, some streets. So one of them is the Dovo Street. It was a dead end, and according to the Islamic law, the dead ends were owned by the owners of the building, which were around the street. So the, the Ottoman Bank uh, bought the Abraham part, at that time known as Sartoria. And on the other side of the street, uh, there was uh, again a building block of, the, um, of a deputy general manager of the bank. So. In uh, 1900, uh, the bank decided to widen or to open the street. It was the, in a way to, in order to, to, they wanted to invest at the back plot, and this could only be profitable if the streets would be open. So just to make sure I have the story straight, uh, basically the bank takes over the building because the owner of the building can't pay back his loan. Uh, and then they want to kind of widen access to the space in the back of the of the building, the Cercle d'Orient, uh, which, you know, was potentially being used for sports, um, for recreation, for meetings. It was used also for the stables of the Cercle d'Orient, this space. So uh, this space was, they were barracks, they were stable. Most it's like having good parking. Was, yeah. You know, so, if you don't have a good parking structure, <laughs> where are you going to put your horse? And then you have to go all the way around the building? No, no. <laughs> And once they uh, widened the street, I think the plot became m much more valuable to be a parking lot, and they they started investing to the area, as far as I understand. And yeah, that's true. Uh, I want to add that uh, this street uh, was named Devo after the name of the deputy general manager of the bank, who owns also the buildings uh, just uh, on the other side of the street. But later, in the of course the Republican time, when the names of the streets were turkified, it took the name of the Yeshil, which was at the back, the Yeshil, it, it becomes Yeshil, Yeshil Cham. Just for our listeners who don't speak Turkish, Yeshil Cham means green pine. And Yeshil Cham Street is very important for the cultural history of Istanbul and also Turkey, because I can say that Yeshil Cham represented the movie industry of Turkey. So Sedar can tell us how the area was converted into uh, a cultural center with the building of movie theaters and theaters and recreational centers. So with the opening of this road, the really spacious back part of this plot could be very heavily used. And as I said, its first uses were uh, like sports, uh, and then uh, there were some circus performances and so forth. But uh, from the beginning of uh, 1890s, there was this tendency to create a performance hall there. It was a concert hall and so forth. But let's also remember that 1890s, were the beginning of cinematographic performances in the world. Uh, in, it was in 1895 that the Lumiere brothers did their first performance in Paris. And the first performance in Istanbul was in 1896. But the problem why the first cinema building was not built 
very fast was that the electricity came to Istanbul very late. But these performances continued and actually this back part of this plot uh, began to house them. So in uh, 1909, finally, this back part of Circle Dorian became the uh, skating palace. Now, uh, this must have been a structure that housed uh, many activities. Can I just ask a question? Yes. When you say skating palace, are we talking about roller yeah. skates? Yes. Ice, roller skates? Yes. Like a roller rink, basically? Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. I wasn't sure so if it was it ice was skating or I mean, what they were doing. Uh, that, that's actually what I searched for sometime. Was it ice skating or roller skating? So roller skating. I think it was because uh, they later put some asphalt on it so that it could be better used. So that means it was roller skating. So 1909. So that was a very fashionable place. Wow. And I think uh, the... Yes, the uh, sorry. There's like visitors. 70s music in my head of a roller rink right now. I'm imagining, but yes. then in 1909, Istanbul. Yes, there were uh, some performances there, and the members of Circle Dorian often came here. So uh, it was a point of attraction in Istanbul, late 19th century Istanbul. There were also some five o'clock teas organized there. And from this, we can understand it was a special place. It was not only the skating pest that was used. There were some other corners, maybe some rooms, some other halls. Uh, also, there were some talks. For example, this guy, Blario, who had crossed Manche at that time, they came to Istanbul and uh, he gave a speech there and everybody was interested and so forth. So that's what happened there. And Little by little, this turned into a cinema uh, in 1910. And this is MX Cinema? Uh, no, not. It was at first still the Skating Palace, but uh, it changed shape. It was uh, right after the uh, second constitution, the Kinjime Shutiet, and it was a time of economic crisis, 1909-10s, and it was a time when many Levantine people began to leave the country. So... These were hard times, I can say, and at that time, the cinema became even more important for Istanbul. At that point, I want to leave the floor to Seljan, because I think she will give us some more explanation about this time. Uh, thank you, Seda. As Seda had stated, towards the end of the 19th century, there was a lot of political um, changes uh, in the city, and this has also influenced the area. After the First World War, uh, the empire was also in decline and many of the elite people uh, left the area. And um, this brings us to the uh, foundation of the uh, Republic, Turkish Republic. Uh, in the 1920s, the embassies which were founded in Beyoğlu uh, moved uh, to Ankara, the new capital of the country. Um, and we can see other uh, socio-political decisions that uh, influenced the area. Like um, in 1942, there was the new wealth tax that was introduced. And this tax was uh, basically targeting the minority groups uh, uh, who had uh, properties uh, in Beyoğlu uh, and in different parts of the city, of course. Um, in the era of the Second World War, there were other changes that affected the Greeks, the Jewish people, and the Armenians, um, which also gave uh, a value to the area. Uh, at the end of 1940s, the, the foundation of Israel attracted some Jewish people to uh, leave the country. 
And after that, we can see that the Greek minorities, due to the event uh, taking place on 6th and 7th September 1955, they left uh, the area, uh, either moved to the different parts of the city or uh, uh, left the uh, country. In the 50s, there was a big transformation in the sociocultural environment uh, in Beolu uh, when the migrants from small Anatolian towns started coming in the city and started using the houses or the apartment buildings that the minorities used to live in. This brought a decline to the environment because they started reusing the existing buildings and the conservation issues were not in the agenda. Welcome back to the Ottoman History Podcast. I'm Susie Ferguson. I'm here today with Matt Gazarian, Nilay Ozlu, and researchers discussing the history of the MX Cinema and the urban development of Beolu in the 19th and 20th centuries. So Nilay, I want to actually ask you if you could tell us a little bit about the history of Yeshilchamp Street. We've discussed the history of the Cercle d'Orient building, the building of many uh, recreational facilities and cinemas uh, in the area behind this famous building on Beolu's Istiklal Jadisi. Uh, and we've also heard a little bit about the, the broad urban history of Istanbul in the 20th century. So I'm hoping, Nilay, that you can tell us about the history of Yeshiljam Jadisi and how it has changed in the 20th century. Thank you, Susie. I would like to emphasize the significance of Yeshilcham. As Laurence Hanum just mentioned, the street was opened and it has access to the back spots of the Sarkidorian building and also Devo buildings. And the area slowly converted into a theater zone. First there were theaters, then they were converted into movie theaters. And uh, by the 20th century, there were 11 movie theaters just in this Yeshilcham street. And around the area, just in the close proximity of it, there were 30, around 30 movie theaters. So it was basically the core of um, movie industry of Turkey. So uh, it was not only the movie theaters, but all the related facilities and networks were established around the area. So Yeşilcan was really important for the cultural history of Istanbul, not only architecturally, but I think for socially, Yeşilcan has a special place in the, in the memory of uh, Turkish people. That's very interesting because it gives us a context for understanding why a building like the MX Cinema is so important to the urban fabric of Istanbul and to the neighborhood of Beyoğlu. So I wonder if I can bring us up to the present and just ask, you know, obviously MX Cinema was, was demolished in 2013, not so long ago. Um, so I want to ask a little bit about how, how that happened, what, what the context was for the, the demolishing of this, you know, iconic historic building. And, and what's the current status of Yeshiljam Street and the, the movie theaters that marked it? So I want to add something on top of this Yeshiljam history because uh, it's important. We started with the skating palace at this plot. Then uh, it became a cinema Ottoman. Then there were two other cinemas added to the same plot. And as you said, the cinema area enlarged to accommodate around 11 movie theaters there and it became the heart of the Turkish cinema industry. Uh, now uh, what I think is even after the economic crisis of 1909 then 
in the early Republican times uh, when the people were so poor, I can say, and uh, also after the leaving of some non-Muslim people from Turkey, this uh, cinema sector uh, was something that held the culture, the still multinational, multi-layered culture of Beyoğlu together. So even after 1950s, I have came across actually the uh, witnessing of a lot of people, among them my family also, that it was a privilege, it was a ceremonial thing to go out to Beyoğlu in, a, in special clothes, not in everyday clothes, to go to the cinema. Well, yeah, we can talk about Emek. Then it was called the Melek Cinema. After Cinema Ottoman, it was called the Melek Cinema, the big prestigious cinema, the lavishly decor- decorated cinema. To go there, watch a film, and to go to the Inji Pastanesi, which was just underneath, and to have uh, their portion of uh, cake. Was This was a ceremonial thing. Uh, it wasn't an everyday thing. And even after a lot of people left, and even after there were some political changes in the Turkish uh, Republic, uh, this atmosphere in Beyoğlu was still special. And at the heart of it was the cinema industry, I think. Uh, it carried all this along uh, until late times. And as we were talking about this uh, Cinema Ottoman, uh, Skating Palace, then Melek Sineması, then uh, Cinema Emek, uh, it continued until recently, uh, all alive, with no interruption, with a lot of still spectators, uh, which is also significant because, as you know, after the golden times of the cinema all, all around the world, uh, there was a stop. I mean, the cinemas ceased to attract people because of television and other media. But this make was special. It was always full of spectators. And I think uh, all this area, the atmosphere, the Yeshilcham Street, Bayolo Street, all the other buildings, um, even though they were not very well kept, they were still there. Uh, they formed a mise-en-scene. Uh, a background that linked the people with their history and with the the glamour and the multi you know multi confessional multi ethnic yes, and also maybe of Beil- good and bad history good and bad times but that was what people identified themselves with so that, that's but, so it was adopted the good and bad memories were adopted by all people alike and what is important is there was uninterrupted uh, cultural and historical heritage all along the Beola axis, uh, especially the Emek Sarkildorian point, I can say. Thanks. So I think that giving us a better understanding of the, the, the role of the cinema industry and Emek in particular in the kind of, as you said, a, a sort of un- a continuing cultural heritage in Beolu and Istanbul is, is very important for contextualizing what then happened in 2013 when the Emek cinema was demolished and you know that this this produced actually like a political controversy uh, basically in Turkey. So I'm wondering if you could tell us about um, how the cinema came to be demolished and what, what was the response? Thank you. First of all, the cinema was actually not demolished totally. The building was demolished. It was dismantled and carried to be rebuilt as a cinema in Grand Para, the new shopping center that uh, Sarkadorian houses today. And we should also uh, remember the recent theory of conservation that uh, since uh, 2000s, the social values have started to be actively in use in the determination of significance of cultural heritage. 
what is actually something that is missing in the protection and conservation process of uh, MX cinema here. And this can be related with the latest act uh, that was accepted uh, in Turkish conservation policies, which we can shortly name as Urban Renewal Act, and that was kept in action um, in 2005 and mainly aimed the areas that, was that were very much dilapidated and that the urban texture was somehow deprived and needed more protection. But the critics about this act was that it missed the social point of the urban renewal areas. Um, between 2006 and 2010, and right after the approval of the act, uh, between 2006 and 2010, 11 historically important areas of Istanbul were declared as uh, urban renewal areas, among which there is also Beyoğlu. And uh, out of 45 uh, districts, neighborhoods of Beyoğlu, uh, six areas were also declared as urban renewal areas. And the Beyoğlu municipality was a partner uh, in these uh, redevelopment projects. So wh what you said just now that was really interesting was that, that they kind of missed the point, right? That yes. The fact that MX Cinema was not exactly demolished, but was actually sort of moved piece by piece to a new location, missed the, the social point of what, what this place had been. So could you actually, could you tell us a little bit more about what that, what that means and what, what were other visions for, for what should happen to this space? Uh, if we focus only on the fabric, the material of the um, place, that will surely bring us something lacking uh, in the protection. And this was uh, unfortunately done in the MX Cinema. So that was why the uh, protests and the uh, people coming together to show their displeasure about the uh, uh, demolishment of the place uh, was so strong. So here I would like to add something. Uh, Emek was the last remaining active cinema, uh, movie theater that we had uh, remaining from the 19th century. So it was so important for the city, for the memory of the city. So the, uh, uh, and it was a ritual for the citizens of Istanbul to go to Istiklal and watch a movie theater and uh, have a nice uh, dessert or dinner. But they decided to demolish it and convert the area into a shopping mall. And there was a large resistance, large public resistance against this demolition. So maybe we can just summarize what happened starting from 2010 to 2013 as a sample of what's happening in different parts of Turkey under the name of urban transformation. Well, actually, this uh, resistance against demolishing of Emek and what happened afterwards, I think it's the turning point. It's important because it shows us a few things, a few important things, that people uh, adopt their uh, past uh, and they resist to its being demolished uh, in a forceful way. But at that point, it was demolished and also there was a lot of police force uh, which who intervened. And I think we lost two things there. One is that very lively link with our past, very recent past actually, I mean the building itself uh, and also what happened there the films the film performances the film festival of course a lot of people a lot of spectators going there meeting there and this atmosphere that was lost I don't think it could ever be regained and the second thing we lost is the tolerance 
the tolerance between the people who claim their rights for their link with the cultural heritage and their history and between them and the assigned or elected representatives of the state. Uh, that, that was also a very, very, very bad thing, I think, this loss of tolerance. And actually, afterwards, uh, we saw a continuation of this loss of tolerance. I don't know when it will ever end. So that's why I think uh, it was so important also, this resistance and what happened afterwards. Uh, Seda, I would also add that in all these investments that happens within the uh, owners of the buildings and also municipality, history is instrumentalized. It is used as a way to legitimize what uh, the new constructions and the new use of these buildings. So uh, at the end, uh, this space and these buildings became just a transit point without any relation to the memory. Uh, and this was done, as you tell, uh, in the tolerance thing, that it was done despite the memory of the people who has a, a particular link to this uh, area, uh, I would uh, like to add. So in a way, it's the all sides of this dispute over the demolition of this cinema were instrumentalizing history. The, the, the developers and the people in support were saying, look, we'll take it apart piece by piece and we'll put it right back the way we found it. And so we're preserving it, you know, that was their compromise. But then for the people against, they were saying, that's not the point. This isn't just physical. This is part of the urban fabric. And when you replace this building with a shopping mall, you're changing, like you said, it becomes just a transit yeah. point. Yeah, you, you are changing, you are changing the lifestyle. The people that are going to Emek will not go to the new uh, movie theater or to the new space. So uh, you are ch changing all, but you are using uh, as an advertisement way, as a way of legitimization, or uh, in other points, the history itself. So I also would like to say that Istanbul's urban and architectural heritage and their landmarks and its history is being marketed. And uh, it's used as a cash-generating machine, uh, detached from the social and historical context, detached from the people who are using it to generate some income for the state, not for the people. So this is labeled as urban transformation, and we see it all over Istanbul, all over the country, and we don't know what's going to happen, what, are, what would be the immediate results of these uh, urban transformation projects. We saw it in Sulukule, we saw it in Süleymaniye, Tarlabaşı, and do they really relate to the people living in the city? That's a big question. So I'd like to finalize uh, this uh, podcast with a final question. What is the situation now, and what are your projections or suggestions for the future of the area? I think uh, this is an issue uh, very much related uh, with the use of heritage for touristic and commercial purposes, as uh, Laurent stated. And I think this is a global thing and very much related with the uh, neoliberal policies going on in the internationally all over the world. And uh, because Istanbul is a mega city, it is also affected from the commodification of the heritage. And this will not uh, stop, in my opinion. It will uh, unfortunately continue. But we should always consider the social side of the uh, problem. 
and uh, be aware uh, that if the memory uh, is lost, then no fabric is going to bring the heritage back. And actually, I should like to mention that there's a concrete example that such a conduct towards history and cultural heritage wouldn't work, which is, which is the Demiroran uh, shopping mall or business center. Just uh, beside, next to this um, Sergilorian MF block, it, has, it was before the Devo apartment building, which also housed some movie theaters, etc. But now it's a shopping mall, which doesn't work. Because simply the people don't come to Beolu to go to a shopping mall. They, there are n- numerous shopping malls all around Istanbul, nearer to the residential quarters, but it has no significance in a cultural center, cultural neighborhood like Beolu. So I don't think the new shopping mall at the place of Emek Theater or Cinema would work. And unfortunately, this fact, I think, this phenomena is not observed by the investors. Maybe one day they will see that, but still we see that magic theater, magic cinema at Taksim, it was pulled down very silently. Um, then uh, Demiroran, uh, then came this Amex cinema, and now our Narman Lahan. Uh, it's always the same scheme, and I hope to see the investors being less awkward, I say, in investing in such a way, or trying to manipulate culture and heritage in that way. And I also wish to see the authorities being more tolerant, being less alienated from the cultural values of the society so that we can still be unified uh, around our cultural uh, heritage, uh, around our cultural values. Uh, I, I think which is, which is something that we need a lot these days. Thanks. Well, I want to thank you all so much for coming on the podcast and to Nilay for, for your work in, uh, in helping us put this episode together. Um, you know, this is a, a conversation that's of interest, not just to those of us who love Istanbul or have been here or live here, but the questions about the politics of urban development. Um, and as you know, you all said very nicely, how history and cultural heritage are being marketed and used uh, to legitimize new constructions, new uses of spaces and buildings that are for commercial purposes or for state purposes, but not actually for the people who live in the city, um, that this is actually a global phenomenon and question that, that many people are facing. So I just want to thank all of you so much for your for your research and for sharing all this with us today. Thank you, Susie. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. For those of our listeners who want to find out more about this episode, uh, we'll post a bibliography, which will have a link to the original uh, dossier special section uh, that was published on the MX Cinema in Mimarist magazine. That will be on our website, www.ottomanhistorypodcast.com. We invite you all to visit us on the web, to leave comments and questions, and to explore other episodes on the podcast about issues of urban development, visual culture, cultural heritage. So please also feel free to join us on Facebook, where we stay in touch with our community of over 20,000 listeners and post news about upcoming series and episodes. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us and take care.